picture, for those of you listening later online, that's a picture of um, the end of the Bournemouth peer-to-peer swim. So that's quite a long way in choppy water in the sea. And you'll see that it's me and the amazing Amanda Iwanya. That's what we did last weekend. If you think we look a little bit scruffy, um, that's because we're covered in sand. Might have been in the sea, but I don't know how it happens. You just get it sticks. It just sticks to you. Um, salty. Uh, we've been flung around in the water. Been in the water for ages. Well, I say that. Amanda is actually super fast. So she was in the water for a relatively short period of time. I was in the water for ages. And, uh, yeah, sunburnt, achy legs, all of that. But I, I don't really care. I think we look gorgeous. It has taken months to get ready for that swim. Literally months. Uh, we signed up for it like January, February, and then kind of forgot. And then we um, thought we'd better get cracking. So we have really, really worked hard. We've talked about it. We've thought about it. We've swum. We've blah, 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 blah. We've done other things, been to the gym. And I am in, as many of you are as well, um, a brilliant small group here in church. So small groups here are when a few of us get together maybe once a week or once a fortnight. We pray together, look at the Word of God together, chat about what's going on in our lives, just real friends together. And um, for the last literally two months, every single week, my group has prayed for this swim. <laughs> really, they have. We have prayed in great detail because you don't just have to pray about the problems in your life, you can pray about anything. And this was on my mind, so this is what we were praying about. So we have prayed in detail. We prayed for my breathing one week. Breathing is actually quite a thing when you're swimming, obviously. So figure out how to do that, how to swim without dying, basically. It's a, a skill, such a skill. And uh, one week, we, what did we pray for? Oh yeah, we prayed that I would have the motivation to go to the pool and just get on with it. One week we prayed about cramps. Then when we started, uh, Amanda and I started training on lake swims. So then that was it, massive conversations about the lake and all of that and praying into that. And so my lovely group friends have got to know a lot about swimming. We've had a lot of chats about that. And there's one lady in particular in our group and she said, you know, I don't really know how to swim. I wouldn't say I'm very confident in the water. She said, um, I used to go when, I was when the children were little, so I can manage in the water. I can get around in the pool and stuff. Um, take the children, get them to learn to swim. But now her grandchildren are adults and I haven't been for ages. So we were just talking about this and everyone else was saying, oh, well, yes, I learned to swim late in life or my mother learned or blah, 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 blah. Chat, 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 chat. Oh, perfectly ordinary conversation. Then at the end of the group time that we were having, we were praying for each other what would you like prayer for? What would you like prayer for? What would you like prayer for? And she says, do you know what? I'm thinking, from the conversations we had this morning, I would like to learn to swim. So imagine, late in life, after all that time, thinking, I want to have a go at that. And why not? Because do you know what? There is always more. There is always more to learn. There is always more to enjoy. There are always more friends to make. There's always more life to live. There is always more. And there's more for us in our everyday lives, in the fun things, in the sport things, in the activities, in the friendships, in the nice things that we like to do, the ordinary practical parts of life. Um, and there's more for us in the spiritual, deep, 
times that we have with God and the way that we talk to and listen to God, and actually, in my opinion, there isn't really any difference between the practical and the spiritual, that we live our lives before the Lord fully and completely on Monday, and on Tuesday, and on Wednesday, and on Thursday, Friday, and Saturday, and on Sunday we get to celebrate it. And we do it all the time. Because every single part of our lives, every conversation, every friendship, every interaction, every email, every meal, everything is lived before the Lord. Every time in the swimming pool, everything that we do is before God. And in all of our lives, He has more for us. He has more. He has more for you today. I promise you, He has more. And over the next few weeks here, um, on Sunday mornings, we're going to be looking at the book of Ephesians. And this helps us to think about the more that God has for us. We're going to be working through that over the summer. And to help you with this during the week, in the Monday to Saturday, we've written a Bible reading plan. So this is available at the desk at the back for free, so do pick that up on the way out. And this will help you press into some of the scriptures that we'll have talked about on the Sunday and give you some space and time to talk to God about what that means for you. And the plan is based on a book by our hero and friend, Tom Wright, who you'll remember came to see us, came to speak to us last October. And this is available to buy from the desk at the back if you want to dig into that in a bit more detail. There is always more. So let's get cracking. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3. Let's turn to that together. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. There are days and times when I think, do you know what? I could just stand up on a Sunday morning and read the scripture and that would be enough because it is so exciting. And this is one of those verses. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. Every blessing he has blessed us with. He's blessed me with. He's blessed you with. And you may know some of the blessings of God. You may be very well acquainted with some of the things that God does. And you may have wonderful stories and testimony and um, thanksgiving to the Lord for the amazing things that he has taken you through. But I wonder if perhaps there are other parts of the blessings that, that God has for us that you've kind of just assumed are for someone else. Because your life has gone in a particular direction, your skills and your interests mean that you press into part of it. But actually, the Bible says he blesses us with every spiritual blessing in Christ. Every blessing is for us. So our heart and our prayer for you over this next few weeks as we press into this is to think about what is that more? More of what God is already doing and has already done in me. More of the things that I have not yet seen. Or both. There is always, always more. This is um, the part of Ephesians where we start to see. It's the third verse in the, in the whole book. And Paul, who wrote the book of Ephesians, he, it's a letter that he wrote to his friends who were living in Ephesus. We call them Ephesians. Just like people who live in Britain are British. Ephesus, Ephesians. So Paul is writing to these people. And right at the beginning in this third verse, he is setting up the ambition and the majesty and the magnitude and the scale of who God is and what God has for us. And we see that particularly in the first two or three chapters 
of Ephesians. They're very much about how wonderful God is and the richness of his grace and his blessing for us and who God is and what he has for us. And then the, the book kind of pivots. There's a verse, three or four chapters in, that says, Therefore I urge you to. And we flip it around and then we see what God asks of us and the more that he has for us as we step out for him. So let's press in this morning into something more of who God is and the wonder of who he is. Because when we think of every spiritual blessing, we're not thinking about some. We're not thinking about parts. We're not thinking about a little bit. We're looking at all of it. Just as when we look at the way that God is described and the way that God reveals himself to us, he is never, ever half-hearted. There is nothing partial about God. God is not a little bit faithful or quite forgiving or rather loving or sometimes merciful. God is all of those things all of the time and he is the extremity of those things. He is utterly and ultimately forgiving, faithful, generous, merciful. All of those things all of the time. And we start to see here at the beginning of Ephesians this scale, this extravagance of who God is. In fact, we kind of do God an injustice when we use these words as adjectives to describe God. Because it's more the other way around that God epitomizes those things. He is faithful. He is love. His forgiveness is complete. His mercies are never ending. Yes? We are talking about a big, big God who has more for you. So much more. Let's look at uh, Ephesians 1 verse 7 and start to see some of the detail of this. So here's some of what God has for us, some of the more. In him, we have redemption through his blood. In him, we have the forgiveness of sins. In accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us, with all wisdom and understanding, he made known to us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ, to be put into effect when the times reached their fulfillment to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. God has enormous things for us amazing promises. God has riches for you. We see here the riches of God's grace. What does that mean? What are the riches? What are the riches of God's grace? Is it money? Sometimes we hear people preach or talk about God in such a way as to suggest that actually, if if God loves you, if you're serving him, if you're faithful to him, if you're obedient to God, then that will be returned back to you in financial blessing. That you would know that God's hand is on you because you are materially wealthy. That that's how God blesses us, with money. Well, yes, and no. Yes, God cares about our finances. And many of you know, I've talked about it before, that I really struggled with money for a very long time and held heavy personal debt for all of my adult life until recently, for 25 years. I was in really cumbersome, difficult debt. And for the last eight months, I've been in a very, very different season, and I owe nobody anything. (laughs) And when I look at my bank statements now, 
There's nothing there that needs to be paid to somebody else. There's nothing there that's owed. There's nothing that's been siphoned off into this is that account to pay people back. None of that. I'm in a very, very different place. And that is a blessing. God has blessed me. I am totally grateful for the way that God has been faithful to me through that journey. And yes, God has blessed me financially. Every single day that I was in debt, I prayed about money. I prayed that God would help me. I kept making mistakes. I kept having to put things right. It was very, very difficult. prayed for God's grace and all sorts of things. And now that I'm out of debt, every single day I pray about money. I pray for the wisdom to make good choices. I pray for opportunities to be generous. I pray for, I pray about this very unfamiliar feeling of looking at bank statements and thinking, this is actually mine. <laughs> and what do I do with it? And how do I make the most of it? And how do I earn money? And, and, and how do I really, really make it work well for me and for the kingdom of God? I am so blessed. And God has blessed me financially. But millions of people don't have any. I mean, really, they have none at all. And in this country, in this city, in this church, we know that. We see people sleeping on the street because they haven't got a home. We see people coming through storehouse or in other kinds of need because they don't have the means to feed their children or put clothes on their back. That this is real and it actually happens. There are people who are utterly desperate financially. And around the world, although, praise the Lord, there are far fewer people now who um, die before the age of five years old. Far more children live long enough to be able to go to primary school than ever before. There are still millions of babies and infants who die. And they die because their parents can't have access to medicine for them or they can't afford to feed them definitely happens. We know it happens. So if money were to be the, God, the way that God shows love, what would that mean? Does he not love the starving baby? Has he turned his back on the homeless man? Is he um, disappointed with the person, the family whose universal credit payment hasn't arrived and there's no money for food? Of course not. These problems are caused because we live in a broken world that we are separate in lots of ways from the way that God wanted this world to be and calls us to make it to be. And these problems are caused by people, by unfair power structures, which means that some people have opportunities and access to education and work, and other people don't. That some people have power and the chance to trade and do business, others don't. These problems are sometimes caused by incompetent or exploitative businesses or governments. And sometimes they're exacerbated by people who have opportunity to help and don't always take it. And maybe if you're stirred this morning by the sense of injustice as we think about riches and money, perhaps God is speaking to you. Maybe this is the more to which he's calling you. What if now is your time to step up, to give generously, to share what you have, to offer someone a job, run your business ethically, to get involved in conversations and decisions and with politicians that can change the way that power works when decisions are made. Perhaps that's what God is calling some of you to, because God does love those people very, very much. Jesus talks about them all of the time. There is no way that an absence of money means that God doesn't love you. That is not it. So when we look at the riches of God's grace, yes, he cares about the practical 
physical and material things in our lives, and lots of other things. We're talking about his abundant love for us. And in that passage that we just read, we saw that we were reminded of God's forgiveness, we were reminded of redemption, of wisdom, of understanding, of God making known to us the mystery of his will, and calling us into the transforming work that he is doing all around the world, throughout history, and into eternity. Such riches. There is more. There is more for you. There is more for you today. Let's look at verse 15. So this is Paul. Remember, so when we say I, that's Paul speaking to the Ephesians. For this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all God's people, I have not stopped giving thanks for you. Remembering you in my prayers, I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. That's Richard, knowing him better. I pray that the eyes of your hearts may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people, and his incomparably great power for those who believe. That power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but that which is to come. Are you excited? I am pretty excited about that. Can you imagine? There is more for us together. I thank God for you. I hope that every now and then, some of you thank God for me. We are called to receive the riches of God's grace together. We are here together in his presence, in his family, in his kingdom. Imagine, just imagine if the eyes of our hearts were enlightened. That we might know the hope to which he has called us. The riches of his glorious inheritance. He calls us his holy people. We are his holy people. What an inheritance. How great is that? He's in comparably great power. The same power that raised Christ from the dead. This isn't any old resurrection, amazing that that would be. This is Jesus Christ. This is the resurrection which makes it possible for us to have relationship with God. This is the resurrection that means that we can be forgiven. This is the resurrection that means that we can be healed and whole. This is the resurrection that means that we can know God's glory today and for absolute eternity. This is the resurrection which means that we can have peace that passes all understanding. This is the resurrection that means that we can know his mercies on you every morning. Incomparably great power. Is anyone with me? What are you waiting for? Really, what are you waiting for? What is the thing you've always had in mind but not yet seen in reality? What is it? What have you been thinking about on and off for years? Like learning to swim. What's that thing at the back of your mind? Oh, that'll be nice, maybe one day. Never quite get around to it. The opportunity, the dream, the 
the healing, the relationship, the prayer that never really goes away. I grew up always wanting to travel, and I read lots of books about it, and really wanted to do it, but it was just, it wasn't something that would happen because my parents never ever traveled, they never left the country, they never had a passport, they just weren't brought up to do that. They couldn't afford it, but also they just weren't interested really, that wasn't what they wanted to do, they were happy here. So I never left the country as a child, it wasn't the life that I was born into, but it was in my heart. And I didn't do a gap year or do all of those things as I got older. Um, I'd started quite young, early in my adult life to struggle with money, so I couldn't afford to do things. I was working at Burger King when my friends were backpacking around Europe. So lots of those things that some people just kind of do automatically never really happened for me. Until, and this never, this is the only time it happened in, in my family. There was um, uh, a time when my grandparents decided that they would release a little bit of money to all of their grandchildren. It was just a few hundred pounds, it wasn't massive. And it was just at exactly the same time that the church that I was in at the time was planning a mission trip to Zambia. And I really wanted to go, didn't have the money. And then money appeared at exactly the right time. The riches of God's grace. And it was there in Zambia that I remembered I'd been waiting for this. And within a year, I had changed jobs. I was working for an NGO, started to work at Fear Fund, and uh, moved cities, and started working in a job that would take me to lots and lots of places. You know some of you because you've heard some of the stories. Places that I've been privileged to go to in Africa and the Middle East. I also went to India and Brazil and Russia. And just the most enormous privilege to meet people in refugee camps, and war zones, in deserts, in tiny rural villages, extraordinary rape survivors, boy soldiers, escaped captives. All that time, from a place where it looked like it would never happen, I had been waiting, and the riches of God's grace, his glorious inheritance, his incomparably great power, made something incredible happen. And for some of you, that's no big deal, traveling. For me, it was a really big deal. Some of you have got something completely different in your mind that you thought, oh yeah, I really wanted to do that, but that's not really for me, is it? The same power that raised Christ from the dead. What is it that you've been waiting for? What is it that your heart longs for? What is it that you have given up on? I was praying for a while with a lady who's older than I am, she's retired, and um, she has in her family this particular situation, and she uh, has a family member, she's been related to this person for more than 70 years, and it's just a bit difficult between these two people, and she had a real heart for wanting to, to move on with it, and to see peace in that conversation, in that relationship. So we prayed, and we prayed, and we prayed. We talked about it, we thought about it, and we prayed, and we prayed, and we prayed. And after a long time, she came in one day and she said, you'll never guess what. Breakthrough. After 70 years. 70 years. God can change anything except himself. What are you waiting for? Incomparably great power. What are you waiting for? What have you been waiting for for a long time? I do think I've been, obviously, I don't just turn up on a Sunday and speak. I've been thinking about this for a long time. I'm praying in general for many months, and I really have felt that God's been speaking to me about people who have been sitting with things for decades. So perhaps 
And so interesting that, you know, this is the second service this morning, and in the first service, some of the people that came to chat afterwards said that they have, in the last few weeks, gone and reconciled with elderly parents. And this is what God is doing for some people right now. Who is that person for you? What's the relationship in your family, among close friends, people that you've known for a long time, people that you've perhaps become estranged from? What is it? How can the riches of God's grace be seen there? Maybe there's someone or an experience in your life and it would actually be harmful for you to see them again, but perhaps the riches of God's grace for you are the peace to be free from the pain of that memory of what's happened between you and them. What is it that you are waiting for? What's the habit that you've been trying to break but which just keeps dragging you down? Perhaps like me, you have to work really hard to handle money. Or it's something about food, something that you just keep doing because that's not really very helpful and I don't seem to be able to change it. Perhaps it's porn. Perhaps in your relationship you have very different expectations of each other because one of you is looking at stuff that's artificial, unrealistic, treating people with, exploiting people, treating people as objects instead of as with dignity and respect. And you just come to think, well, you know, that is just who I am, I can't really have, I'm sorry, love, you've just got to deal with it. Incomparably great power. Incomparably great power. The riches of his glorious inheritance, so much more that God has for you. What are you waiting for? He is able to do immeasurably more than we can ask or imagine. Do you want to know the hope to which he's called you? To receive the riches of his glorious inheritance? To step into his incomparably great power?